0: hello and welcome to the vanity sports podcast i'm your host chris lee i'm joined by my co-host billy derrick my good friend luke wyatt gentlemen we have been watching a lot of practice spent a lot of time with both of you guys lately particularly billy uh, thank you both for joining us tonight particularly to luke our, our guest who was a regular part of the podcast this year and a very popular part and if you're watching on YouTube, you now get to see what Luke looks like so you can pester him at a ball game. Uh, Luke, thank you for joining us.
1: Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Uh, Billy, I've enjoyed your work uh, from afar. The fact that you work with George as well, I don't want to hold that against you, by the way.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's a—it's uh, quite the juggle act, but uh, <laughs> but no, it's been fun. He, he's great, and so is Chris. So I'm, I'm happy to be aboard
1: with you guys. It's going to be fun.
0: I can't believe we're halfway through practice. Uh, Billy and I have been to most of them. I think I've missed two practices so far out of the 10. I think Billy was at one of the ones that I missed and at several of the ones that I was also at. Luke has been to a few on his own. And so we're all going to share our observations on practice. We'll get into the mailbag tonight, but first Luke appears on our guest line, which is sponsored by the wash house. And I'll give Billy the floor to tell you a little bit about the wash house and my good buddy Steve Andrews, who is sponsoring our show this year.
2: Are you dreading Laundry Day? Is it stealing time to do the things that you truly enjoy? Let the laundry professionals at the wash house take care of that for you. With two convenient locations in the greater Nashville area, just drop off your dirty laundry, and their professional attendants can give you back the one thing you can never have enough of, your time. Within 24 hours, you can pick up your nicely folded, fresh, and clean laundry, ready to be put away. Check them out on the web at www.washhouseclean.com. Again, that's washhouseclean.com. And stop in today and get your time back.
0: Podcast also sponsored by Murfreesboro Pure Milk. Uh, Davis, if you're listening, your ad copy will go here when we get that from you. And Sutherland and Belk, you'll hear from them later in the mailbag. Gentlemen, uh, let's start with observations on practice, maybe big picture stuff. I was going to throw that to Luke. He has gone off the screen, so Billy, I will throw it to you first, and let Luke follow. Your, your big picture thoughts on what we've seen in practice so far? You know, Chris, it's been interesting uh, to follow practice. This
2: has really been my first uh, fall practice to be, you know, close to the action. Talk to coaches and players after practice, and obviously, we're about, you know, week and a half. I guess you can say two weeks now into practice, uh, with one scrimmage under the belt. And, you know, it was good to see Luke out there and, and kind of chop it up. But, you know, I think one thing I've noticed, and again, it's hard to take too much out of, you know, fall camp this early. Uh, but one thing I've noticed is the, you know, the, the immediate and, and quicker grow, growth of the culture um, as opposed to, you know, maybe some other schools where it might just take longer for uh, culture to build and chemistry to build. I mean, this is year three, I and mean, we talked about this, you know, in our last podcast together, Chris, how, you know, it just feels like the organization is there. Everybody's more comfortable. Coach Lee is more comfortable, uh, and and Joey Lynch has talked about uh, the rhythm, and Ken Seals even talked about that too, about how, you know, everybody feels more in tune with with, with what is going on in the offense, the plays that are being called, um, and, and, and I, I've seen that, you know, and, and you've told me that you've seen that, um, and then defensively, of course, you know, obviously, we we saw how they struggled in the scrimmage, but um, they've also got, you know, I don't even know how many guys out uh, on that side of the ball. So again, I don't think you can really take a whole lot uh, out of you know the first couple weeks. But I will say, the class of twenty twenty three is a very talented class, and, and they're going to be very good in the future. I mean, just some guys to name a few. I think the running backs Newberry and Benson have looked good, you know, in their opportunities. And then also Martel Height, uh, a, a cornerback that has uh, has looked very good, you know, and then a sophomore even Trudell Berry as well, who is is going to be you know given opportunities this season. So I think a, a common theme has been the young guys that Clark Lee has brought in here to make immediate impacts, and you know, so far in practice, for what it's worth, I think they have uh, made their presence felt. Uh, but they're also meshing well with the older guys. Um, And I think that's very important and something that Clark wants to uh, emphasize. So, yeah, Chris, for me, common theme is the young guys stepping up, and that's what Clark wanted to see uh, in the scrimmage.
0: Luke?
1: Well, the the thing for me, guys, has been, uh, I go back to Clark's first year, just how many, and we kind of talked about this before, Chris, how many of those guys could play for other SEC schools? Uh, you look around now and there's several. Uh, I'm not sure there was more than a couple when Clark first got here. So when you see where we've come, I know we've said a long way to go, obviously, but we have come miles in the last two years. And the, the job that Barton Simmons and Clark have done, I mean, I applaud it big time. Uh, of course, now talent, is it is what it is. These, these freshmen are still freshmen and you're going to get burned, and you're going to have some bad uh, situations that will happen to him. But for the first time, he's got some quality depth at certain positions. For instance, wide receiver, the defensive line. Uh, we haven't had that yet. And just the fact that they're going to be able to do that, that's what I'm taking from it. I feel like that now the depth is going to be the difference in us getting to possibly six wins.
0: You guys both hit on things that I was going to hit on, and I wanted to expand on those and, and support your observations. Billy, you mentioned the culture. Yeah, I think it's it's not just the the culture, the locker room, those kind of things, but it's, it's conditioning and things like that. I, one thing that I've noticed, and my goodness, this was certainly an issue when Derek Mason was there at the end of his tenure. You'd see a lot of hands on the hips and – guys out of shape and stuff like that. You don't see that much anymore. I, the, the the next hands on hips episode, I've been looking for it that I see in practice will be the first. And if you guys are not in Nashville, don't know, they practice every day. They start nine 30 ish in the morning, go to about 1230. I mean, some of that is loose. Sometimes they'll start a little later in a little bit earlier, but point is they're, they're practicing. It, 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 I mean, it could be worse. They could be practicing at three or four in the afternoon, but it's it's hot enough. There's been some days, several days it's been in the nineties, and welcome to Nashville. It's also humid. So I'm looking for times when you're you're seeing guys dragging or not. Now, the the first time I might have seen it was at Saturday scrimmage at Innsworth, or rather Sunday scrimmage, and it manifested in different ways. It manifested in a lot of grabbing and holding on behalf of defensive backs. Maybe the other day, I guess it was oh, I think it was maybe Friday, I don't remember, there was a an altercation at the end of practice where I guess guys lost their cool and, and Clark Lee let them have it over that. But for the most part, I think that what you said, Billy, has, has been spot on. Luke, you spoke to the depth. Uh, you had the same thing I was going to say, that a lot of guys, when, when Clark got his first roster, we look around going, who on this team's any good? Now, I'm looking at situations where like London Humphreys I'm I'm guessing he's a third-team wideout right now, but he has made some plays, boys. And he's, you know, three years ago, I think London Humphreys does this in camp. He's probably a starting wideout for the opener. And and I don't know if he's going to end up second-team, third-team. For all I know, he might start. But uh, that's an example. Junior Sherrill, a guy, another freshman receiver, has had a really good fall camp. I think Junior Sherrill, could end up maybe even challenging for a starting job at at some point this season, Uh, maybe earlier rather than later. I don't know how much of that is just them kind of resting Jaden McGowan. You haven't seen him out there as much. They tend to do that sometimes with their own commodities. Uh, And I think the third thing, guys, and and I want to get your thoughts on this particularly, Luke. The passing game has just won the day lately. And some of that you look and go, well, they've got, A.J. Swan, talented kid. You wanted to see him kind of take the next step, continue his progression. Feels like he's had a good camp. Ken Seals has had a really solid camp behind him. Uh, They've got some younger guys. Walter Taylor has been inconsistent but shown flashes. Drew Dickey's been really consistent. I don't remember them ever having a three that looks as good as, as Drew Dickey has in practice. So those are some things. The receiving core, in my opinion, the best on the team, But the other side of that is the inability to stop the passing game, which was a theme a year ago. Now, look, to to be fair, um, (laughs) a lot of that damage is being done where the safeties would be. I would guess to Ricky Wright, Jalen Mahoney, and C.J. Taylor might have combined to play 10 to 20% of the snaps so far. So they're doing that mostly against guys who aren't going to be starting. Luke, what do you make of the secondary and their struggles against the passing game so far?
1: Well, two things. First of all, on a scrimmage, and I'm just speaking from experience of all the years I was out there on the field watching the team at this time of the development. And you can't really tell a whole lot about the pass rush because the quarterback can't be hit. And they are told repeatedly, don't touch the quarterbacks. Don't touch the quarterbacks. So what that does to you is, a, 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 for instance, a, a Darren Agu. He's, he's wanting to pin his ear back and go at it, and he can't really do that because if he does, he could still accidentally hit the quarterback, hurt him, put him out for the season, and then you got a mess on your hands. So I think you can't really tell, and, and you guys tell me I was not at the scrimmage, but there had to be some situations where the quarterback would have been sacked or moved off of his spot that they would have been, wouldn't have been able to complete some of those passes. So I think that's one thing I, I take from it every time this time of year during the, this time of practice. And uh, I, I just think when the season starts, you'll see a pass rush that Vanderbilt hasn't had in a long time. I think they, because of the bodies, that's going to be able to throw at people. You can throw a guy in and he can go 110 in the first quarter, whereas it used to be he's got to pace himself just to be able to play in the fourth quarter. And that's a, that's a huge thing that, that you're not going to see. Until we get into live action and the real bullets start flying,
2: yeah. And, and I'll add, I'll add to that, Chris. I completely agree with Luke. And, and we got a question about this about the pass rush, and obviously there was some concern from fans. Um, you know, were they was the O line creating any holes? You know, were the running backs just? I mean, were, are they not good? And I, I answered that and on the board. I said uh, the front seven has been active, <laughs> right? I mean, that that front seven. You know, and not just the the defensive lineman, but Kane Patterson, Langston Patterson. Uh, I know Bryce play playing the scrimmage, but I mean they, they are they are getting penetration consistently. Even some of the younger guys, like a Jalen Ruth, uh, who in practice has has impressed me. Uh, so I agree with Luke in that, uh, but also on the receivers, the young receivers, Chris, London Humphreys, and Junior Sherrill, Those are guys that the coaching staff knew exactly what they were getting when they got on campus. And I think if you're a Nashville native, you saw what they did in the city of Nashville, right? London Humphreys at yeah. CPA junior Cheryl at Lipscomb Academy. I, I think that's an interesting aspect to this. Those guys didn't have to really travel at all for their college experience. And they probably, you know, they probably got tight with some of the the guys even before they got on campus. Um, and I think that was an added benefit. So they're way ahead than the normal, I think freshman receivers, typically are right they're both from nashville they played high school in nashville at least so i mean and those are guys that like humphrey's speed is not a typical freshman speed like cheryl's cheryl and i asked cheryl this after practice and he's he's known to be a guy that has game speed he said yeah i can i feel like i can click it on during the game so a big difference with this class is that you see guys that are that are ready to go and, and and can play and I don't know about make an impact, but, you know, they, they, they can be out there and hold their own at least in, in SEC competition. So uh, just to add on, on on your wide receiver note there, Chris.
1: You know, again, going back to two years ago or even last year, we didn't have any guys that could take the top off the defense. You do that now. You When you, when you put those two guys out there along with Jaden McGowan, they have to respect that. You used to not have to do that. And I think that's what you're going to see, especially in these early games. I think you'll see Vanderbilt have more explosive plays than they had uh, for an entire year, just about, in the first four games.
0: Yeah, and and I wanted to touch on the front seven, guys. I I think it's a better group than they've had in a while. I don't know that there's a, a superstar in there. I like Agu on one end. I feel like he's solidly going to have that, that end job across from him. They've got – DeCosmo seems to have held that that job at the star position through spring. I'll be interested to see Miles Capers can make a charge. He's back in the middle. Uh, they got Lee Wataha and Damarian Thomas, a true freshman, who's getting some reps at, I guess, the nose spot. They've got uh, – Nate Clifton's had a really good camp at the tackle spot. They moved him inside. Davion Davis is is out there, uh, but clearly behind Clifton. And they've got Bradley Mann, uh, presumably, is is a third-teamer there. Better than what they usually have, Mann's going to play. And, and, oh, by the way, Christian James hasn't been out there yet. They'll have him at some point. Uh, the, the linebackers, I, I feel like, have, have done well. They have gotten after the pass for some. Both the Pattersons have had good camps. Bryce Cowan. I don't know exactly what to do with him yet. Uh, it's kind of like a CJ Taylor situation a year ago. Not quite as many plays, but he's but he's versatile. They've got him at linebacker, but I think he could easily be that anchor guy. But that's where CJ Taylor is when he's back. Um, you know, Ethan Barr's still there, battling with Langston Patterson. They they've got two very different skill sets, and both going to see the field. Uh, Luke, Luke, I'll start with you. I feel a lot better about the front seven having watched it in practice.
1: Oh, there's no question. And, again, to go back to the depth thing. But uh, one other one you didn't mention, and uh, Devin Lee. You know, I think Devin has yeah. to be a, a terrific – Yeah, style. and
0: he, he's been starting. That wasn't an intentional omission.
1: Yeah. Right. I, I You know, when you when you have Davion Davis now becoming – who was really a captain and a bell cow two years ago, now he's just a extra piece that might play 10, 12 snaps. We, that's, that's how far that position and the defensive line has come. Uh, I, I am, uh, I'm probably, and I, I even mentioned this, Chris, when we had podcasts at the end of last year after we kind of did a season-end review, I just felt like this season, because of the depth situation, and something that Vanderbilt very rarely has since, I, I say James Franklin, let's go back to that. You always refer to that because of success, the wins and losses. But it took Bobby Johnson, I would say, five years before he had this type of depth, and it's now only year three. And again, uh, hats off to Barton and Clark and the, and the rest of the coaches.
2: Yeah, I uh, I couldn't agree more. I mean, the defensive line—you you, you hear the word depth a lot thrown around, right? You know, we like our depth this year. We we think we're you know we think we're too deep at that defensive line spot on the edge, and then in the interior. Uh, but I think that really does apply this year. Now, I think there's a difference between experienced depth and and young talent as depth, right? And we talked about that last episode, Chris, like a guy like a Bradley Man projects like a like a really good player, right? And so does Darren Agu, right? We saw some flashes from Agu last year, but I don't know that the defensive line has – now they've got some guys that have proven depth, like a Christian James, like a Davion Davis, guys that have been there. Uh, but the younger guys, it's almost like you're waiting and seeing. All right, what what can these guys do this year? Right? H- how how quickly can they uh, progress into the player that uh, that the staff wants them to be? So, um, I think it's now. There's a proof. There are proven guys at that defensive line spot. But at the end of the day, um, those those young guys, I think that in term how the defensive line succeeds depends on the speed of those young guys and how how they can develop. Like a Bradley Man, I know Agu's is a sophomore. Um, but Chris, it, it, we've seen it, right? We, we've seen those guys. Flash Bradley man looks dramatically bigger. talked to I asked that to Larry Black, and he was like, uh, yeah, yeah, He's, he called him a monster, you know, So it, it's been really impressive to to see the organization, and you can tell that Barton Simmons and Clark Lee are in constant contact. it, it shows, it shows with the organization on the depth chart. So, um Chris, the, the defensive line, I, I agree with you, they'll be more they'll be better how much better, that might depend on the young guys and how uh, how much of an impact they can make.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. Another thing, Billy, we haven't spent a lot of time talking about the offensive line. Maybe that's good. And again, it Luke pointed out something. It's hard to judge right now because you can't go all out. But one thing that I do like, for lack of not knowing anything else, they have rolled out the same five starters, I think, every single day with the same guys in the same spot. Uh, and left tackle to right tackle, they go Hanson, Castillo, Hernandez, Ashmore, Uzebu. Those guys have stayed healthy and they've stayed in the same spots. And I think that continuity has to help them. There, there's no doubt. I mean, you know that that's something
2: that I haven't even really talked much about. But I think Clark Lee, if you asked him, would be happy about that, right? <laughs> you know, the offensive line, you know, there, there's there's no storylines. There's no talk. They're just they're getting to work and, and they're getting after it. Uh, Uzebu is a guy, Chris, that quite frankly, I've been, you know, pleasantly surprised by by him. I think there's a couple vocal leaders on that on that offensive line. And uh, that left tackle spot is interesting to me. Right. Gunner Hansen has shown a, a nastiness about him in, in camp. And, you know, he's. He's looked really good, you know, and, and so I, I think they like their left tackle spot. But again, they like some of those guys behind the starters too, which, you know, depth just keeps coming back w- with this team. I mean, Grayson Morgan is another guy, Chris, that, I mean, he looks like he could start, right? And, and he, and last season, he did not look like he could start. So the, the quick progression, right? You're seeing that from year to year already. Um, I mean, I think they like Gage Pitchford. I, I think, you know, there, there's a. Uh, uh, what's the what's the guys? There's there's, a, there's several other offensive line that they like. I, I know you have the depth chart in front of you, Chris, but um, you know, when you look at that offensive line group, continuity, right? You got four starters back from last season, and that can't hurt you. I mean, that, that, that certainly no. can't hurt you. Now, uh, protecting the passer, I think that's another level. Like in the running game, I think you can expect some good things from that offensive line this year. Uh, protecting A.J. Swan, and I'm sure we'll get to, is is a different type of challenge.
0: Luke, we, we've talked a lot about most position groups. We we kind of have touched maybe a little bit more on defense and offense. Uh, we talked about the quarterbacks a little bit, the receivers. We haven't talked a lot about the running backs. That's, that's a question that I have. I'm not – I don't know that I'm sold on any of the guys, but uh, feel free. I think we're going to go to the mailbag in a moment because we've got about a dozen questions, and I have a feeling – that's going to tie up a lot of the things that we want to talk about. But anything that, that you've got on on the running back room or maybe something big picture that we've not touched on yet that, that you want to get in here?
1: Well, the running back room more than any, you know, we, we talk about the biggest question marks coming into the season with the running backs and the corners. Not necessarily the entire secondary, but the corners. And I still think that's the question marks. Uh, I do think that they have, again, like Billy said, quality depth but it's young depth so you have to worry about that on the defensive side now at running back you got the same thing you have smith and gillespie but after that it's all unproven freshman talent and you guys know as well as i do the first time you get swung at it feels like you got hit by a picnic table it's different than high school you know they they may get hit one time in high school the way as hard as they're going to get hit in a southeastern conference football game so that that's going to Make them decide whether they want to, you know, take it to the next level. And I think Newberry, uh, Diego Benson, those guys, one of them will pop up. That's just the way it works. Uh, I don't, I don't have a crystal ball to know which one it will be, but you'll see one of those guys uh, get split the carriage with Gillespie and Smith.
0: Billy, let's grab the mailbag as soon as you're ready here. Let's. Do it. The uh, mailbag is sponsored
2: by Southern and Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt in an accident, give Taylor or Russell a call at 615-846-6200 to see what your rights are and if they can help. All right, let's start with Denver Door Has A.J. Swan shown a noticeable improvement since last year? And if so, what looks different and how will that reflect on his performance this season? Chris, start with you.
0: I don't know that he's looked any any better or any worse. I mean, he was pretty good to end the year. I, I feel like he's probably a little bit better. I still see some of the same stuff. Um, you know, the, the good, the bad. That's hey, I can I can make this throw, and you're like, boy, he sure can. He just did. Uh, and then it's the next play. I can make this throw. Um, yeah. Well, there's. There's another defensive back there <laughs> that, that maybe uh, would would disagree with that. So you see some of that. I mean, look, I, I feel like the quarterback spot's in good hands, but I would like to see A.J.'s decision-making improve a little bit. How about you, Luke?
1: Uh, same thing. I, you know, I will say one thing about A.J. and the words of Woody Woodhoffer. He's gotten bigger, stronger, and faster. He looks, <laughs> he looks the part. He did look the part anyway, but he even looks more the part now. He is a big, thick kid, so you know you you hope that he stays away from the injuries because of that, uh, and be a little bit more evasive as a quarterback. I think I, I don't think he's going to be a, a or it's going to be an issue at all because I think that old line that we talked about will protect him and give him the time he needs. I think you're going to see a totally different offense. You know, Mike Wright. I don't know what percentage it was, but he was in the in, in the games more a lot more than AJ, and this offense will be daylight and dark of what they're
0: trying to get accomplished and how. All right. Next Billy, question. you're welcome to, and by the way, you're welcome to, to chime in with your thoughts on, on some of these too. or if you just trust us to get some of them to have nothing else to add that that's fine. But if you, if you have some housekeeping or opinions it, once we get through each of these, you're, you're free to chime in too.
2: I appreciate it. I think you guys hit it with AJ. Um, you know, that it's it's similar to the offensive line, right? I think, a minor thing would be decision making, like you said, Chris. But as expected, in the first couple weeks of camp, you know, uh, he, he's maybe allowed to take a few more chances, um, or he might think he's allowed to. But, uh, but no, I think with AJ, he's he's made some massive throws. But a lot of it for for you and I, and, and even Luke, Chris, it's almost normal. Like you know, you know, you know what AJ can do. You know he can um, he can do that. So uh, I think you guys said it pretty well about AJ. All right, let's go to NBA door. Please provide another update on investment from your sponsors, unless you want to save this one for the end, Chris.
0: Uh, Since you mentioned, let's, let's get it now. Okay. Uh, as you notice, we've got two new sponsors, Purity, uh, excuse me, Murfreesboro Pure Milk, which is, uh, they sell Purity dairy products. So if you're out there, you like your ice cream, like I do, uh, please frequent your, your Purity products and, and help those who help us. And, and my good buddy, Steve Andrews at, at the wash House. Now, unfortunately, we've lost as we've added to, uh, we've we've lost one and, and maybe two, um, and so we're kind of right back where we started after a summer of um, begging and pleading. Uh, so I, I will just say this: uh, I I continue to be committed to improving our product. I've, I brought you on. I'm going to get you a little bit of money. I have uh, secured some funding for Joey. Uh, of course, unfortunately, that means less in my pocket, unless that we have to to travel or anything with. So we've got some giant holes in our budget at the moment. We would love more support. I'll just say this: uh, if the people out there who can afford to do this, that are Vanderbilt fans, don't do this, we will not get support anywhere. That it just does not work as a as a venture because we're competing against other things and, and other teams that. Um, you know, just, just have much bigger audience. Again, we're the biggest audience in the Vanderbilt market, but, um, you know, you, you see the crowds on game days. It is it is just always a tough sell. We appreciate the people who have helped us. We are going to open probably a Patreon at some point too, uh, and that might serve as, as sort of a tip jar to help us all out a little bit. But w- we are needing some, some partners, some businesses, or if anybody, just an individual would like to write a, a nice-sized check, uh, at this point, there's not going to be any travel. Um, I, I need to pay you more than I'm going to. And I've got, look, unless I want to work till I'm 95. Um, you know, <laughs> I've, I've got bills to pay at home too. So all that to say that if, if you are looking to help us out, uh, God, God knows we got, we got a lot of ways that that people can help at, at this point. And, um, if you are interested, email me at chrislee 70 at gmail.com and we will, we will talk more. There you go. And, uh, again, next I'll, one in the mailbag. All right,
2: yeah, next one. I'm sorry, I was just going to add. You know, the coverage. If you haven't noticed already, you know we're we're busting our tails. So again, if if you want to um, sort of reward that and, and continue receiving this coverage, um, you know, we we look forward to potentially receiving an email. Uh, you know, so uh, we will, um, you know, again, this is something, and I said it from the beginning, that Vanderbilt fans have never seen. Um, and and I, I truly believe that, you know, we've got so many plans that a lot of fans don't even really know about yet. Um, and so, you know, we want you guys a part of this, um, and that's the only way this this can survive. So I uh, just wanted to add that. Add
1: that. If I can, i like to add something, too. I, uh, I have in the past talked to a lot of former players, and I know there are some players on the site but other players that watch this on YouTube or whatever. And, you know, reach out to me if you have questions of where's the, you know, everyone always wants to know where their money's going and why you need it and all that. I'll be glad to ask those questions. And if I can't answer them, I'll get you to Billy or Chris. But guys, uh, if you want the best coverage of Vanderbilt, and again, I've been around it for my entire life since I was 12 years old, been on the sidelines. And this is as good as it gets, and it's not gonna get any better. So hopefully uh everyone else, you guys will step forward.
0: Yeah. Um I, I guess I'll I'll just stop there. There's there's probably a little bit more to add, but I think I think people get the get, get the, the gist. gist of it. Yeah. All right, next one in the mailbag. All right, next one, here we go. And this is a good one.
2: I've been asked it multiple times. VU Matt 23, who will be the starting corners? Week one. Luke, Ooh, we'll start with Billy. you on this one.
0: I, That's a good question.
1: Uh, week one will be Clark will reward guys who've been there. It'll be Anderson and Russell. Yeah,
0: I, I boy, would Billy, that, that has been an interesting battle. It it really has.
2: It really has. We talked about Martel Height and Trudel Berry. Those guys, those guys look the part, right? And and they will get opportunities. They'll play. If <laughs> yeah. If 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 a gun was to my head, I would agree with Luke. Uh, just just because that's that's feels
0: like Clark's style. Well, when when you say looked apart, athletically they do. Um they, they have been on the, the the receiving end of some burnings too, which that, that happens to freshmen. So there's there's a long way to go. Um when, when when the receivers are making these catches in practice, they're they're doing it against somebody and um uh, you'd you'd like to see that get better. So and and I think having having better safety help would would help that some, but that's that's just not right. where they are right now. So, next one. All right, next one from Foghorn:
2: Is our O line better at pass protection or run blocking? So, and this is a Luke. Two-part. I'm gonna we'll, I'm we'll gonna throw that, that to
0: one. you. Um, I just it, it, I think it's just hard to tell. I, I've always thought the running game. Was a tough thing to evaluate, and, and the pass rush for reasons you pointed out, they just can't go all out at this point. That uh, they've only they've only had one tackling practice so far. So to to me, it's I don't know. I, I tend to think probably pass blocking, but I'm not sure, Luke.
1: Well, last year we were more of a run offense. Obviously, you're not going to see that this year. So I'm hoping. Uh, it's a fifty-fifty split because I, I think if we run for one fifty a game or one twenty-five even, uh, I'll be very happy because I think we're going to have to throw it for three three hundred a game anyway to win most games. So uh, they got to be uh, to to be evasive right down the middle. They got to be good at both. And for anybody to be a successful football team, they got to be good at both. So I think they will be. I, first of all, they have a star as a coach. Coach Blazik, to me, is yes. a star. And uh, I've seen a lot of good old line coaches at Vanderbilt. Uh, he's one of the best.
2: Yeah, and, and they've got some former Commodores helping them yeah, out as Chris well. Yeah, Williams and
1: somebody – yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah, and those guys were stars as well. So, you know, just another move, you know, from this coaching staff that might be small, but that they're all about the details. So, yeah, I, that's a tough question to answer at this point in time. You know, I mean, gun to my head just from what I saw last year, run blocking, maybe. But, again, I, I think the hope, as Luke said, is that you're it's a 50-50 split. So, uh, yeah, I, I again, my gut tells me run game. But, again, who knows, maybe the pass protection uh, surprises some people. Uh, he had a second part, uh, Chris. If you could pick one area for A.J. Swan to improve upon over last year, what would it be? Decision-making.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, throwing late over the middle.
0: Yes, yeah, yeah you try, are trying to make trying to make throws where you are outnumbered.
2: and And we've seen
0: a little bit of that where
2: you know, he makes a couple reads and progressions and just kind of, you know, you don't, don't see a ton of confidence on the on a throw. so I, yeah, I would I would say that. Um, okay, let's move on. Joey Dwyer, longtime listener, first time questioner what should I expect in regards to the first bank stadium media food Chris
0: I think uh, you should be able to answer this um it probably depends on the, the time of day uh, the if it's a if it's a, a an 11 o'clock kickoff it's a sausage biscuitish stuff uh, the, the food actually I, I'll, I'll give credit to Vanderbilt Vanderbilt's really upped its media food game the last couple of years I've heard people on other podcasts talk about how bad the food has been in the press box in in Nashville. (laughs) I got to give those guys credit. They have, they've stepped it up um, to where the, I mean, you get some of, sometimes you get some of Nashville's better barbecue places. Mm -hmm. Uh, You get some good briskets and things like that. So I I have no qualms about the food. They even did an espresso bar, I think for the Ole Miss game last year. And I'm not a coffee drinker. Um, I mean, I say that I'm becoming one out of necessity some days uh, when the energy drink is not in reach. So that that's been kind of nice too, but I, I think if it, it, the food game is on par with what it's been the last couple of years, I've, I've got no complaints now in the past, sometimes that's been, you know, box sandwiches and stuff like that. And, that, and that's okay. Uh, but I, I think, um, I think if they do what they did a year ago, it was, it was not a bad spread.
2: Joey, appreciate the question. I don't, I don't really have an answer to that. I haven't uh, been in the press box for a game, but uh, I look forward to what Chris has called some, some good options. So looking forward to that. All right, let's move on to the next one from Raiders1967. Please discuss the process that led to the hiring of Tommy McClelland and the duties he performed at Vanderbilt. Is there speculation
1: on a replacement?
0: Look, I'm throwing that one to you.
1: I appreciate it. I, uh, I can shed some light on it. Uh, he was a Daniel Diermeier hire. Um, at the time, Daniel didn't know the situation in athletics. He was feeling his way through and he wanted someone that he could communicate with on a daily basis. And uh, when he had people that came to see him, he could have Tommy show them around campus and that type of thing. And that was the role that Tommy initially took over. And then his role grew from there from to fundraiser. I mean, Tommy did everything as a deputy AD that most ADs would do. So, you know, that, that's just kind of how it went. Uh, and I, I don't feel any ill will toward Tommy. In fact, I respect him uh, a lot. I liked him a lot, the times I dealt with him. And I wish him well at Rice.
0: I'll miss Tommy. I saw him at practice here, but he didn't get to speak to him. Didn't, didn't get to know him super well, uh, but he was always nice to me and uh, wish him luck in, in his next job. He certainly worked hard while he was here. Yep. Okay, next up, Billy. All right, next
2: one from Raiders 1967. Vandy will likely only be favored in three games this year. We'll see. Uh, what is a realistic number of wins?
0: I don't think he's wrong about his presumption. Luke, I'm going to get your take first.
1: Go back to what I've been saying for now over a year, and I haven't changed. I won't budge on it. I think we're going to a bowl, and I think we'll have six wins when we play Tennessee. So, seven max, and the least amount we're going to have six. I know that's uh, am- ambitious for a lot of folks out there. Uh, you know, we've only been to nine bowls in, in my lifetime. Well, actually, eight. I wasn't alive to the Gator Bowl. But uh, you know, I I can just I can see the progression, and I I worked for eleven different coaches at Vanderbilt, and I can see their progressions. So I've kind of been not not that I'm a soothsayer, but I've kind of can tell when you have a shot, and this team has a shot. You know, and, and again, you always have to preface that by saying if we stay semi healthy, and by that you can't have certain guys get hurt. We won't mention guys' names, but you you guys know what I mean. They, they can't have that because that then that depth that you've now built up goes away. So if, if we stay semi-healthy, I think uh, it's going to be a fun year for Vandy fans.
0: My opinion, guys, I think they're a better team. I, I think they could go five and seven again and, and be a much better team. But to me, I, I just have trouble naming the six wins. Now, I think you guys will agree with me on this. I'm, I'm looking at the schedule to make sure I get this right. Hawaii Alabama Am at unLV get all three of those not much question in my mind and if they don't there's there's a problem right so we're all on the same page there mm-hmm. to me I think at wake is is gettable and if they're going to get six is Luke is that fair to call that one a must win uh,
1: uh, no for me and I'll tell you why in a minute go ahead keep going out your schedule
0: well I mean okay and the, the next two after that, Kentucky and Missouri both at home and then at Florida. Obviously, they won two of those three a year ago, and then they they lost the Missouri game in Columbia. I think Missouri is a little better than people are giving credit for. A lot of people are really on the Kentucky hype train thinking they can maybe challenge Tennessee for the two spot. I, I'm not as convinced about that. Um, I, I think with Liam Cohen, they'll get better on offense. I, I just am not – I'm I'm not as sold on them. I think as some other people, I think they're a good team. Could they be a top 25 team? Sure. And then at Florida, and I I think Florida's one where they've got a real shot in. But uh, there's a little bit of a hype train on Florida lately, and I'm a, I'm a big fan of Billy Napier. I just look at the talent, and I don't see it. So I I don't know whether I'm right or a lot of the public that's kind of getting on the Florida bandwagon late is right so to me the the, a lot of the damage has got to be done in those first seven games then you go Georgia at Ole Miss Auburn here I think is doable at South Carolina that is perpetually just a stumbling block for them um so Billy I'll start with you if if they get six where do they get them and and then I'll give Luke the, the floor to finish what he started a minute ago
2: well, I agree with you, and I think this is pretty obvious. Uh, Hawaii, Alabama, A and M, and UNLV; those all three should be wins. At Wake Forest, that game feels like. Looking at the schedule, it feels like a must-win. But I like I like how Luke brought up the end of that. You know, you know he didn't he didn't reveal his answer, but I like how he brought it up. I haven't thought about it uh, because later later in the seasons, this these Clark Lee teams have gotten better. Right, where, I mean, remember the, the Ole Miss game, Chris, was that your one on, on the road where you're like, you know, I know Vanderbilt lost, but, I mean, they they fought their tails off and, and, you know, put up a good fight. So I know they didn't win the game, but they have played better down the stretch of the season. Um, and so I think, you know, you look at some of those games, of course, Kentucky and Missouri, those two are games that I think, especially them being at home, if you win one of them, you're in a good spot. If you find a way to win both, you're you're all of a sudden in the driver's seat, you know, for a bowl game. Considering you you have won your three non-conference at Florida, who knows what that Florida team is going to be? Uh, Clark Lee is, is is a guy that you know he goes on the road. You feel like that team has a chip on their shoulder. Uh, year one in Gainesville didn't go well, of course. So I think Florida could be a potential spot for Vanderbilt to get a win at Ole Miss. Obviously, that'll be tough. I like Vanderbilt in that Auburn game. I don't know why, but I do. I I just think you free Hugh Freeze in year one. That could be a potential spot where maybe a Florida type game this past season where, you know, a lot of transfers where guys have just sort of, and I don't want to say given up, but sort of packed it in. You know, and again, maybe that doesn't happen, but I think that that could be a situation where that happens. You know, it's tough. I, my gut tells me. Okay, as a fan, you should expect six wins, right? As the coaching staff, you should expect uh, six – and not six, but a bowl, right? A postseason berth. I'm still sitting in the middle of five and six, Uh, five and six wins, right? I think they could go five and seven and be a lot better team than last year. Uh, But I could easily see this team going six and six. And maybe, just maybe, seven and five, if things go right, right? And, And things went right last year for Vanderbilt against Florida and Kentucky. And I I've, I see the 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 uh, the progression of this program, but again, Chris, you've seen it, Luke, you've seen it. You know, watching Vanderbilt football, you know, you can progress as a program, but it may not show in the win loss column. So, again, I'm sitting right in the middle of five and six wins right now. Maybe that'll change. You know, if if something happens here in fall camp that I see that I like, um, but I think this team can definitely get to a bowl game. I mean that that is that is certainly a possibility. Luke. Nope.
1: Luke. Nope. Well, let me explain the wake thing. Uh, the reason why I don't think it's a half must win. If you look at last year, if you would started after we started the season, uh, did anyone think after the first four games we would beat Florida and Kentucky? I don't no. think anyone did. So that tells you two things. It tells you number one, sometimes the teams we play later in the scheduling conference, no matter who they are, how good they may or may not be, I mean. Florida took Tennessee to the wire, almost came back and won that game. And we all know how good they were last year. Uh, Kentucky was ranked when we beat them. Whether they were beat up, injured, whatever, we still won at Lexington. When you take those things into consideration, and that tells you two things. Number one, what type of character Clark is building with these kids. And number two, how the opponents view Vanderbilt later on in the season. They may not want to play a Vanderbilt, and Auburn may not want to. Or, so so you can get three SEC wins for sure. If you get those three other non-conference, that adds up to six in my book. So that's the reason why Wake is not, in my opinion, a must-win because I think you, I can see three SEC wins in there. Yeah, I mean,
0: that's that's true. I mean, they again, they got Florida and Kentucky a year ago, were that close to Missouri, and, and the Auburn's one, that is one that I've circled to. I just don't think they're nearly as talented is your typical Auburn team. I think their offensive coach, obviously Hugh Freeze, is probably a top five offensive coach in football, and that matters too. But, yeah, I mean, I I think that they – it's hard for me to name them because you kind of feel silly because a lot of these games, they're going to be a touchdown. Uh, Hey, look at this moron. He picked Vandy to beat such and such. But I think think Luke hit the nail on the head. Uh, Sometimes the schedule kind of comes back to them. In a way where teams aren't as up for games as, as they were for whatever reason, or I'm I'm not I say that that's just detracting from what Vanderbilt did a year ago uh, that they played heck they beat Anthony Richardson It was a top five pick, um so t- take nothing away from them but I, I I think the way that Luke mapped it out is is the way that if it were to happen that it would okay Billy what have we got next? All right here we go from Vandy
2: Zach seven. He provides a fun fact. Vanderbilt went 2-1 and one in one score SEC games last year. In the other five, they lost by an average of 40 points per game while being held to three points or less in three of the five games. Do you agree that there's a very real chance that this team is substantially better in almost every facet this year but finishes with
0: a worse overall record? Luke, I'll I'll start there with you. I, I already opined on that. I I said that before we answered the last question, and a lot of that was what Zach pointed out, that don't get beat by 160 points between three teams or whatever it was. Um, so I, I think that alone, just not getting the break speed off you and, and those blowouts would help. But, um, but Luke, I want to hear your thoughts on this one.
1: I agree with that. Of course they could only win five. They could only win four and be better. But here, here's the thing. I don't think, first of all, you, you don't play Georgia and Alabama back-to-back. I think Georgia and Tennessee, obviously, <clears throat> they would be the two teams that you would think offensively we have a really tough time stopping and you can't outscore them. So just take those two and put them to the side. There's, that leaves 10 football games that you have a shot. First of all, we're so due to beat South Carolina, it's just bound to happen <laughs> at some point in our lives. You know, we've had more trouble with South Carolina than we've had with Tennessee or Florida or any, any of the other teams. We've had more success against Georgia than we had South Carolina in the last 15 years. So, you know, that's going to pop up and we're going to hit them one of these times. You know, if Spencer Rattler is the old Spencer Rattler that started last season, you know, there's another game you can get. So, I agree to the fact that, yeah, you can win four or five games and be better, you know, Bobby Johnson had a couple of teams like that. that were really good football teams that lost in the last fourth quarter. Uh, stuff, stuff like that can happen, obviously. But I think, again, stay healthy. I'm sticking to my guns. We'll get to six.
2: And Clark Lee, Chris, you remember hearing this from him at SEC Media Days. He said this season is going to come down to a handful of plays, right? This season is going to come down to maybe not in the UNLV in the non-conference games, but against Kentucky, Missouri, Auburn, Florida, maybe throw South Carolina in there. If if you if you convert those handful of plays, right, you'll be there. But if you don't, you may not be. So the margin is still small, and they've talked about that, right? The margins are still pretty small. Now they may not may have gotten a little bit bigger, uh, but they're still there. So yeah, and I agree with you, Luke, on the South Carolina thing. I don't I'm not as high on South Carolina coming into the season as a lot of other people are. You know, do you get the same Spencer Rattler late in the season? I think in those last four games, Olmus, Auburn, South Carolina, and Tennessee, Vanderbilt should get one should pick off one of those, especially if they want to make a bowl game. They could pick off two. I think they, they could. That's obviously unlikely, but I think they could because of how well they've played down the stretch.
0: Well, I think people know that I run an SEC YouTube channel, so I'm spending a lot of time studying those other teams. And I, mm-hmm. I think South Carolina could be a top twenty-five team, but the hype train has gotten—I don't know—a a, a little towards the the top end, I guess is a good way to put. It. I'm I'm not saying that they can't be as good as their fans think they can, and I really do like Shane Beamer. I think they pin. I think Carolina pins a lot of its hopes on the fact that they shortened the playbook a year ago. And the minute they did that is when they beat Clemson and Tennessee and, and gave Notre Dame a run for its money in the bowl game. So I think that there are reasons there that, that people in South Carolina are excited, plus the fact that he took over a pretty bad roster too. wasn't as bad as Vanderbilt's, but in, in two years, he had them beating those teams at the end of the year. I, I, I like what he's doing there. I think they're a good team. I think that's going to be a tough one. Uh, But I do wonder a little bit if a little too much hope is being placed in what they did at the end of the year, and and that's what they are, rather than it being a, you know, maybe a small sample size. Uh, I guess time will tell. And but you know, the the bad thing for Vandy is that game comes at the end of the year, and that's always when Beamer—I mean I say, always—it's been two years, but he's had them playing substantially better ball in November than than he did before that. So. Next question, Billy. All right, here we go. We've got another one from
2: NBA Door. Let's see. Let me read this one, make sure it's okay. Okay, here we go. NBA Door. What sort of production from the run game is required for A.J. Swan to be a top five quarterback in the SEC this year?
0: I'm going to throw that to you guys. Luke, I'll let you start first here.
1: i mentioned to it earlier. I think we're going to run the – for at least 100 yards a game on average 125 and i think that doesn't sound like a whole lot you know you want to be balanced you want to be 150 and 300 but i think we're going to be more of a passing team obviously than we were last year so i don't think the running but I, I think what you'll see in the running game and i think i may have someone on the board so whoever said this on the board I, i'm i'm copying you on this and agreeing with you on this you're going to see one and two yard gains, maybe one or two yard losses. Then all of a sudden, one of those guys is going to pop it for 50. Whereas Ray Davis, as tough of a runner he is, he didn't have that breakaway speed. I think you'll see that in these backs. I think they'll uh, they may have 10 carries, and uh, you look back and nine of the carries were for a total of 20 yards, and then one carry for 60. So I think that's the that's where it'll be in the run game.
2: Yeah, and the question, the way it's worded to be a top five quarterback makes it a little tough. I think that's a tough ask for, for someone this That year. is a tough ask, yeah. <laughs> um, But, you know, it, answering the question, I think it might need to be upwards of 180 uh, because I was looking at Tennessee's uh, rushing stats per game last year, and obviously they threw the ball a lot. But Vanderbilt, that that's what Vanderbilt wants to be more similar to this year and, and not – you know Tennessee's offense, of course, but a, a similar style of maybe more tempo, maybe more, hopefully more explosive. Uh, and so I think, you know, you've got to be probably upwards if you want to be a top five quarterback in the SEC, upwards of 180, maybe 190. Um, but again, to Luke's point, I don't, I don't think you have to be to 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 look at Swan and and say, okay, he had a, a successful season. I don't know that he has to be close to 200 uh, and the rushing, the running backs have to be close to 200. I I think if you're sitting, you know, 110, 120, and, and you're, you know, you're throwing for 300, maybe even 400 yards a game. Like, you know, you're, you're winning games and, and, you know, that's a good recipe to make a bowl game. So um, it's a tough ask in terms of the top five quarterback in the SEC, but you know, I I would, I would say 180, 190 to to answer that question. Uh, And then the second part of that. He's got, let's see, with our apparent running back by committee approach, who will have the most yards and how many will it be? So very specific there. But uh, I guess to translate, who, who's going to end up being the
1: guy?
0: I, right now, to me, it's Patrick Smith, guys. Do either of you have a different answer?
1: I agree. I, I, I agree. do think it'll be a, a, some running back by committee stuff. Uh, but I think Patrick will emerge
2: yeah I, I agree and, and the coaches have have touted you know running back com- by committee um, and, and maybe that's it. that ends up what what it is, right but I think in terms of a guy you would say Patrick Smith uh, you know to to start the season at least if he goes down with an injury, the good thing is they've got guys back there right that, that they like. They like Gillespie, they like you know Newberry and Benson and like you said, Luke, one of those guys is going to have to step up uh, and, and that'll be something to watch this season. All right, rolling along here. We've got – looks like we've got two more. Raiders 1967. This is a good one. Who were the best offensive and defensive assistant coaches you observed at Vanderbilt?
0: Luke?
1: For me? Okay. Um, as a position coach or a coordinator, I'm assuming the saying as either one, uh, I'll just go with position coaches. Um. Offensive line, Robbie Caldwell the best offensive line coach I ever saw, man. Ever. Uh, and defensively, and we've had a lot of good ones. Don't get me wrong. Defensively, Woody Woodenhofer knew how to call the defense on the fly and knew how to read an offense better than anyone I ever saw. Uh, and I'll give you a quick story. I know we've gone long here, but i got to give this quick story. Everyone always would hear Woody stories. We played Tennessee when uh, Peyton Manning was a senior. And we lost 17-10 to in Knoxville. And uh, I was going to midfield to shake hands with Roger Frazier, who was their equipment manager. And Woody was right beside me shaking hands with Fulmer. And Fulmer was patting Woody on the back. Woody, boy, your guys played hard and all this. And Woody said, yeah, Philip, if I had your guys, I'd beat you by 100. (laughs) So that was a fun day and a great comment by Woody. And it it was true. Woody knew – I mean – Peyton Manning. If you look at his issue, never threw for over 150 yards against
2: the it. Wow, I'd say that's a staggering stat, Chris. It is. It
1: is.
0: Yeah, yeah I remember that. That was it. Was those those defenses were something. Now they, they, they couldn't move the ball against the it's three ball. of us, but right. Yeah. Interesting. Great question for Luke. All right, let's
2: close it out. Colombiano door. He says, off topic, but you know what other guests are playing this off season, this off season, this season outside of Luke? Uh, he says he misses when Corey Chavis and Mitch Light would join, uh, though there clearly would
0: could be scheduling
2: issues there. So, uh,
0: Chris? Yeah, um, I'll answer that. Again, a, a lot depends on funding and, and what time we have. I, I just think you and I have spent a lot of time talking for what we have. I, I think more than three podcasts right now a week is a reach. And I think it's going to be probably one for the next couple of weeks. And I think that the week, the season starts week zero leading up to that, we'll do some more stuff. But I I think our plan is going to be more than likely. We will have a post game show that we'll do like this. We hope to have them at a location near campus for home games, for road games. We'll probably all do them from our, our homes. And I I think that we'll post after the game. We'll post that to the podcast feed, the audio only later. I think Wednesday, uh, I'll have to talk to Luke to see when he's available. I think Wednesday will be like a round table show. That might be when we can have a Corey or Will Purdue or somebody on with us potentially with, with hopefully the three of us. And then, Billy, I'm going to turn the reins over to you to do probably a pregame show that we'll put out probably sometime Thursday or Friday. Uh, It'll be – we'll probably have someone from Vanderbilt on. We will probably have an opposing beat writer for a few minutes. Maybe we'll have an athlete or something like that. I I don't know what we'll have just yet. We'll get that in process. But other than that, guys, again, a lot of it's just kind of a funding at a time thing. I've I've got my hands full with – my stuff on the sec side billy's got his hands full with his stuff with george i I think there will be some weeks where we do a maybe a fourth where seasons overlap um maybe especially basketball and and football that'll probably be you and joey uh and again we we might have one of those guys on occasionally if we can fit him in but I, i just think um with the resources we have of time and money it's just It's harder for us than ever to do those. Uh, Additionally, Corey can be a tough guy to pin down with his travel schedule. Um, I I think we'll have him on probably an episode or two. Mitch, I think, is just so busy with the athlete, and that's the other thing too. It's just it's hard to find people in the media, um, who who just have time to talk about it because it's it's not a it's not a beat where your bread gets buttered and people are chasing the Titans and. And whoever else. So um I I guess that the short answer would be we, we may have some of those guys on occasionally, but until we get a little bit more to work with here, uh I wouldn't count on that being as a regular part of the show. And and I'll add this
2: too, Chris. You know, the question was about other guests. Well, an answer to that is you guys, right? The fans. Yeah. Right. You know, we that's what we want. We want you guys to be a guest and and at, like you're in the room with us, right? Firing your questions away if you're mad or you're excited after a game, right. Uh, you know, to, to fire those in and, and we're going to do our best to answer those in, in, in the post game shows, uh, but also during the week with the mailbags. And if there's a, a big injury or a big piece of news, I'm sure I'll get on and do an emergency podcast if we have to, like, you know, and I said this earlier, we're, we're flexible, right. If Chris, if Chris doesn't have time for something I can hop in or Joey can hop in, or if, if, you know, if, if Luke and I, you know, want to do one. I'm sure we can. If, if Chris is, is busy with other stuff, right. There's, there's more team members now, which, which I think is the good thing. So uh, I think one of the guests is you guys, the fans, right. And we want you guys to be as involved as ever. Um, and hopefully that, that creates some, some, some really good content.
0: All right, guys. Um, parting thoughts here. I'll go Billy, Luke, and then myself, just anything, that we've seen at practice or or picked up on that's, that's relevant to Vanderbilt football is we in the show that maybe we didn't get into, or you want to underline on on our way out again, we'll start with you, Billy, then go to Luke.
2: Well, we haven't mentioned Will Shepard, right? And, you know, he's a guy that you cannot forget about. (laughs) Yeah. He was just named to the Boletnikoff award watch. How,
0: how did we do that? (laughs) I mean, that guy's been their most (laughs) dominant player in camp when, when he's been out there. Well, he didn't, he didn't right. do a and ton of part scrimmage. of it has been out there, but right, right.
2: Yeah. yeah, and I think that that's a precautionary thing, right? you they're building up to to the regular season with that. and Clark has said that, which is another aspect to Clark's style that I think you you know fans can respect and media members can respect, right? I think there's some fans that, you know, like wh- why did you only have one catcher? you know so but again, this is the first scrimmage, as Luke said earlier, right? it's it's these is about the young playmakers, uh, but on Will Shepard. I mean, I think Vanderbilt's Twitter posted the video of him making one of the diving catches with his left hand, and all three of us were there and saw that. And I remember looking at Chris going, "Did did he just do that? Like like did did he really just do that?" And so, it's things like that that you know he's making normal, right? And and it's it's been a bit since a Vanderbilt wide receiver has has made plays like that, right? And even Jordan Matthews, I remember his freshman year, right, he would come in late in games and make catches like that. But the way Will Shepard does it, and I said this in one of my post-practice reports, he just makes it look easy, right? And I don't want to say he's not trying because he is, but it, it almost looks like there's that nonchalant, uh, you know, aura about him uh, that he just he's able to make it look easy. So again, Will Shepard is a guy I wanted to throw out there because we hadn't mentioned him. Uh, the tight ends, Chris uh, Justin Ball had had a reception in the scrimmage. I think Logan Kyle has looked good. I like Camry and Johnson. Obviously he's a, he's a young kid, but Chris Boyle, keep an eye on him. I've liked what I've seen from him in camp, uh, you know, showing a couple flashes, you know, he may not be as tall as some of the other guys, but I think he's a guy that, that can be versatile. Um, You know, so I think, I, I think of a guy like a Sam Dobbs, who maybe isn't the biggest guy, but is athletic and can block and maybe sneaks by a defender when they're not expecting it and makes a catch. So, uh, in terms of the receivers, obviously Will Shepard is there, but the tight ends I think uh, have been a little bit better than I expected. Like a Justin Ball uh, has has improved. So um, again, tight end is one of the positions there, and and I know Luke, we've talked about that. That's one of my parting thoughts because that's that's what they did a lot late last season. They 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 involved those tight ends and and it worked right. So I think that's another question at least. Um, You know, from my perspective, but uh, yeah. Parting thoughts: looking back, looking forward to to this week at uh, at fall camp, and uh, again another scrimmage at some point next weekend. So, uh, looking forward to it. But uh, but yeah, I thought I'd mention Will Shepard, Luke. Uh, Unreal, we haven't mentioned him yet.
1: Well, that's a good thing because that means we're talking about all that depth and help he has now. Right. That's all we had to talk about before. So he, if Will Shepard's an afterthought, that's actually a good sign. I uh, what I want to talk about a little bit is uh, some of the walk-ons and how they contribute. Now, I'm not saying they're going to go out and make big splashes in games, but in these early games, I could see a couple of those guys helping. And uh, the walk-on program when Clark first got here, I think, if I may be off of my numbers a little bit, our total roster was around 95 to 98. <clears throat> it's now at 115, I think. So... Adding those quality walk ons is huge to a football program. That was one of the first things James Franklin did when he got to Vanderbilt. He found out our numbers and said, Look, we got to get bodies out here with walk ons. You know, we got just for looks and guys that bust their rear ends. And he had tryouts and he got a couple of quality guys. But uh, Clark and Barton and whoever else is responsible for that recruiting of walk ons have done a fantastic job. And they're going to. They, if it doesn't pay dividends in a game, it's paying dividends in practice.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. I, I meant to get to that at some point. We asked Clark about that the other day in practice. We ended up talking about walk-ons for six minutes between a couple of questions yeah. we asked. One of the, And one of the things that I wanted to get to was how many of those are guys that just showed up on campus, how many of those guys were guys that you recruited? Because And, and his answer was most of them were recruited. And this is why this is important, because, first of all, a, a walk-on is – Luke, you, you correct me if I'm wrong. It's It's been tough for them to get preferred walk-ons through school in the past, is it not?
1: Yes, I, I can count on one hand in the history of Vanderbilt that a walk-on uh, earned a scholarship and also played a lot. Now, a lot of them have earned a scholarship yeah. for other reasons, just being a team guy. But like Joe Staley back on the bowl team in the eighties, and John Dewitt on DeNardo's teams, those guys started and played a lot. But Stanford, few far between. Yeah,
0: yeah. well, and, and and this is why this is important. And Clark Lee mentioned it. He said they're getting more cooperation with admissions. Look, if if they've got 115 guys, you only get 85 scholarships. That means you got 30 walk-ons. Most of them are preferred, which means they went through the admissions process, got admitted by the school. They weren't just you know, Joe on campus, hey, football practice starts tomorrow. I'll show up and see if I can make the team. No, most of these guys were guys that they knew about ahead of time. That that points to support from the school, and that's big. Those guys also th- their walk-ons are so much better than the ones they have had in the past. What what does that mean? I don't know. Uh, but but Billy, you and I more than once and twice have, have raised our eyebrows at uh Richie Hoskins, who made a long touchdown in camp. Mm-hmm. You know, some of that was on the defense for not doing its job but still um i I don't ever remember guys and it's got to help them in practice i know it does it's just so much more competent depth um you know the, the nick rinaldi who has only been playing football for a couple of years now made a big play in camp he helped them last year not just special teams but played some defensive snaps so that is a sign of a program headed in in a better direction, and and I think their practice snaps are so much more competitive, which is is going to help a lot. So thank you to Luke for mentioning that. Um, I, I would say that that I'm there's still. I think we is two years ago. Uh, there, there's still a lot of uncertainty. A lot of things I'm watching. You still got some. First and second team battles up for grabs. I'm really interested to see who wins that corner spot opposite of BJ Anderson. Still a lot of uncertainty. I, I don't. I'm not crazy about where they are at tight end or running back. Um, the, the safety room is going to have to get healthy. Uh, boy, if they if they don't, it, that it, that is not going to be good news. Um, you know, say all you want about their receivers getting better, and that's true. Uh, th- th- their past defense has got to take some big steps up in, in the coming weeks. And and I, I think a, a lot of progress we have seen, but still a lot of questions to be answered. Still a long way to go at certain spots, but in any case, all right, gentlemen, thank you for joining us. Thank you for those out there who are listening. Thank you to our sponsors, Sutherland and Belk, Murfreesboro Pure Milk and the Wash House. They helped make this possible. For Billy Derrick and Luke Wyatt, I'm Chris Lee of Vandy Sports. By the way, a lot of practice coverage at Vandy Sports right now. So you get a lot of stuff there that you don't get here. If you're looking for ways to support our site, that's $99 a year, please. If you're out there listening and haven't subscribed, please do that. That helps us. That helps us produce more content. If you are sharing a sub with somebody, please don't. Um, That's... (laughs) taken away from from what we can do and what we can make and and what I can pay help. In any case, uh, thank you for watching the Vandy Sports Podcast. We may have a basketball episode up with Billy and Joey later in the week, depending on what they can do. If not, our next content will probably do a football show with the same three guys that you're looking at right now, maybe sometime early next week. Uh, Until then, be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube. Again, subscribe to the website and follow us on social media accounts. For Billy Derrick, for Luke White, I'm Chris Lee. Thank you for watching. We'll see you again soon at the Vaney Sports Podcast.